Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Welcome, everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, which is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, we are going to continue our discussion on incentive programs with Mark Ross, Director of Manufacturing for NextGen Building Components in Rochester, New York. Mark, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me back. Excellent. All right. So we ended our last episode sort of talking about some of the downside risks associated with doing incentive programs poorly, but they're important to implement and they can actually be quite an arrow in the quiver of management and getting to reach important goals within the company. What I'm curious about as we start off here is if the risk is relatively high of like doing this really poorly, where should an employer start if they want to be able to implement an incentive program correctly? What are the, the steps? The biggest thing that it next gen. So I've been out there for about six months, <laughs> virtually just tracking all the data and making it shareable data. So, so I virtually have a TV in each facility that displays the board footage from yesterday behind the work, behind the scenes of that is we're tracking payroll costs. We're tracking cost per board foot, board foot per man hour. Um, all that kind of stuff so that we have a, a fairly solid database when we start unrolling incentives. The management team, there's a lot of data there. So so everyone puts in their two or three numbers every day. That way it's not one person that's got to put in 30 numbers. And it keeps the, uh, the honesty factor there for when you are having incentive programs that there's so many hands on, on in in the pot that it's not like anybody can fix the numbers or make it look that way for any type of incentives. The biggest thing is keeping the metrics open and honest, even well before they even know an incentive program is coming. So Mark, you, you threw it about around a lot of metrics that we use a lot in our industry, which is good. So it's not like you're trying to reinvent the wheel here. And so I'm assuming then eventually one of your incentive programs will be targeted at trying to improve one of those numbers. How do you go about establishing what you think is a reasonable goal to hit as you try to incentivize increasing or improving one of those numbers? So, so typically what I do is I'll start out with the rolling average and then I take a look at what was a good week as far as say you're incentivizing board footage, what is a good week? Then you got to sit back and look at the headcount and figure out, all right, if I add people, I can raise the board footage, but I don't want to add more headcount right now. Let's roll out this incentive and give them a goal that's 10% above what we're currently hitting and incentivize that and see where you end up. Because if you can increase your capacity by 10%, and say you're paying out five grand in an incentive or whatever the number is, that 10%, it's going to more than pay for itself. And even if they move the needle 5% for that month and you rerun it again the next month and they hit it, you've now gained 15% capacity off of an, an incentive program. 
You raise a good point. It's thinking about the cost of the incentive. Like any of these incentives we're talking about, like they have a material cost. They take a financial investment by the company to run them. How do you think companies should think about the cost of those incentives? How should they budget for them? And why is it important how they think about it? Well, well, that's the biggest thing too, is preparing ownership to budget for that. Obvious, obviously, it's no different than payroll increases. You have to budget for the incentives. I always say that, you know what, the incentives will pay for themselves. They typically do. But the, in the odd chance that it's one of those months where you got close to moving the needle, but you didn't and you decide to give out that incentive, it's good to know that it was budgeted for. But, it, but the end game is really to move the needle enough that it, the incentive, it's paying for itself twofold. That's always the way I look at it. Anytime that I had to take in an incentive plan to ownership, I always put down the cost and the benefit. And the, obviously the benefit is going to be more than the cost or else it wouldn't be worth it for both parties. Well, just to run like quick generic numbers, but like how you were talking about it, going to management, you'd say like, we're going to try to increase production by 10%. That's going to mean this, the bottom line. So we're going to incentive to 5%. So everybody wins. And if the worst case scenario is you only increase by 5%, well, then you break even on on the incentive investment costs and the cost savings. But if you are anywhere above, and certainly if you achieve the 10%, then everybody's definitely won, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the, in, the incentive, it could be, you could be incentivizing your capacity because you have lead time issues. When you're trying to get that lead time down and you incentivize, that may be a wash. But at the end of the day, think of all the customers that you're saving because those people are willing to work a little overtime. They're willing to work a little harder to get that incentive that even if it was a wash, you kept all that work that somebody may have taken to your competitor if your lead time went out too far. All right. So I think it's important that we dive a little bit into the employee buy-in and establishing that from the top down. Can you talk about, as you introduce an incentive program, how do you sort of introduce this concept to the employees and how do you mediate potential disagreements and whether an incentive goal is being met? So, so the biggest thing is when I take the incentive out, I always bring the metrics that they've done in the past so that they understand that the outcome is not that much greater than what they've already done. Um, you know, that I'm not asking the world of them, that it's an achievable goal. I feel it's achievable. And for the most part, if you think it's achievable and you take it to them and you explain it to them, for the most part, you get buy-in because they're looking at it as like, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. We can move the needle that much. And the biggest thing for me is making sure that you have the metrics to back that up and make sure that when you're sharing them with the employees, that you're interacting with each one of them so that they each understand what you're asking for. So it makes it a lot cleaner of an outcome that you've had that one-on-one interaction with, whether it's a group of two or three people or five people, so that at the end of the day, they don't come back and, oh, I didn't really understand the incentive. The biggest <laughs> thing that you need to make sure that is as clear as clear can be. And I've had instances where I've, I've brought out the metrics and the guys in the shop are like, there's just no way. Like, this is a joke. And I say to them, okay, well, what do you think would be more reasonable? 
we've met in the middle. And either way, I go into it knowing what the financial impact is going to be for the company and for the employees. <laughs> so certainly as the incentive program is running, there may be some instances where the employee thinks that they're hitting it and you're like, no, we're not quite hitting it. How do you deal with that? They Exactly. That is going out and they're like, oh yeah, I think we're doing really good. And you got to kind of pull them aside and say, hey, look, this is really where we're at. I would agree that you guys are doing pretty good, but we got to move the needle some more. And throughout throughout the incentive, I try to communicate that with the employees so that there's no shock at the end, whether they hit it or not. I mean, they, they sometimes know that they hit the incentive five days before the month is over, you know, or they know, hey, we got five days and we got to pick the pace up for five days. And I've seen people kill, virtually kill themselves to hit that incentive. Now, that's not sustainable, but at least they're, they understood what the goal was and they were willing to work for it either way. So, Mark, you run an, a successful incentive program. Um, you hit your goal. Everybody is clapping each other on the back. Management's like, yeah, well done. That's awesome. Let's just make that permanent. How do you respond to that? I mean, is <laughs> Are you like, yes, absolutely. Let's just, if it works, let's just keep it going. Or should, is there a standard period of time a, an incentive program should run? Typically, I don't agree with long-term incentive plans. We had an incentive plan that we ran for a couple of years. And virtually after a while, it just people were not trying to achieve that goal anymore. The ups and flows of the business in the building industry, especially in upstate New York with winters and stuff like that. January, February, you're just trying to make a dime. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we're not getting our incentives. So I feel that any long-term incentives, it just, they don't work. Mm. At that point, it just creates hard feelings between the employees and the company because they, at the end of the day, they don't understand that you're going to have your good months and your bad months. That's why if you keep it, if you keep the incentives kind of shorter, shorter timeline on them and move them around. You don't always want to have the same incentive for the same thing. It could be, you could be incentivizing. You've got more than you could possibly ship. And you're like, you know what? If you guys can get three loads out on each truck five days a week and get half days on Saturdays, we'll incentivize it. Mm -hmm. It works for both parties once again. Well, what I hear you saying, Mark, is that employers should be really judicious about using these in a way. You need to know when you truly need that additional push from your employees. And as, as you've already stated, knowing how much you want to push them. But doing that constantly, at, after a while, they become desensitized to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's perfect terminology for it. Absolutely. So you have been at NextGen for a while, but I think as you alluded to, you're still just collecting the metrics, right? You're trying to establish sort of what are we capable of, what are our averages, watching how it ebbs and flows. You know what? But you haven't implemented an incentive program at NextGen, right? Right? Not yet. Nope. So how come? Well, to be honest with you, I, I've been there for about six months. I, I have about two years worth of metrics that we've collected and we've been sharing it with all the employees for, I would say, probably since the beginning of January. So so we're real close to me being in a spot where I feel comfortable that maybe we'll roll out an incentive here this summer. There's just been a lot of behind the scenes work to make sure that when we do roll out an incentive, it's fair for both parties 
And that obviously it has a positive outcome. Incentive plans kind of reminded me of like an ROI. You almost had to write out an ROI to get an incentive program rolling so that the ownership also understood that it was worth it. Because now they're setting the bar, you're not. Actually, Mark, I mean, that's really good. Just from the standpoint of, I, at the end of the day, incentive programs are in part about employee morale, right? Yeah. I mean, done right, an incentive program can really make employees feel pretty good about themselves, particularly when they hit a mark and they're all working together to achieve that goal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny is one of the incentives that we did was kind of different. I had never done it this way. And there was, so we went and got monopoly money and basically it was an incentive on remakes. So basically we gave everybody $250 of monopoly money and said, anytime that there's a remake, if you're involved in it or you had any part in it, you have to give us $50 back. And at the end of the month, you trade your $50 bills in and we'll give you cash. And that incentive, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, I had guys climbing through dumpsters trying to find scraps or whatever we could so that they didn't have to uh, to put a remake in. And it was probably one of the best incentives we ever had. It was kind of funny to go buy a bunch of boxes of Monopoly only to take the, the money out of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, Mark. I mean, just that incentive program idea, for instance, gives each employee a window into the true cost of waste in the facility, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you were willing to trade that $50 for cash, that helps them equate very quickly of what the cost of doing it poorly and just not caring about how much product they're throwing in the dumpster really costs the company. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting to see that the people in the shop, rather than everybody just turning their head and saying, oh, it happens. Everybody was trying to help each other out and, and try to get figure out ways to make that not happen again. I mean, literally, I got one $50 bill that was torn in half. And I was like, what's this? And he was like, well, I didn't feel that it was right that he totally took the hit. So we tore a 50 in half. So I'm mm. like, great. Now I got to come up with 220. <laughs> I got to come up with <laughs> cash to break a 50. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, that is so awesome that two of your employees cared that much about what was going on and each took some ownership of that, right? I mean, I would imagine going forward, your wastes went down. I mean, even after the incentive program was done, right? Because your yeah, employees were yeah. more aware. Yeah. And it was it was the conversation after we all got together and, and we got the, the cash together and we got all the employees together and they were kind of lined up like they were at the bank ready to collect their, their paycheck. And the conversation went really well. Is it just shows that we can do this all the time, that we can reduce our waste, that we can increase our profitability and explain to people that profitability ultimately is where raises come from and other incentive programs and new equipment and picnics or whatever it might be. And uh, it really, you know, bringing out the monopoly money and turning into real money was kind of like an eye opener to them that it's the real deal. Yeah. Excellent. Mark, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was, it was fun. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SBCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast 
at sbcacomponents.com.